She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. Out. Podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. Like there was a risk. She was excited that I had sex for the first time. She's like, oh, welcome to the club. This is not quite how it happened with me and my mom. <laughs> Just gonna say that. And that's as far as I'm going on that. <laughs> that was my experience with her, and I talked to her about it a little bit. Um, but I, I was not super enlightened. So uh, are you now? <laughs> no. I don't think I have been taught it by anyone since I think we had a junior high class, which was basically like penis and vagina equals baby. Yeah. And then yeah. after that, it was like, you know, I think you other ways and and that when i say abstain i just mean abstain from what they call piv sex (laughs) you know well hello beautiful listener and welcome to a brand new episode of far out podcast Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. It's great to have you here. Just grab a cup of tea or joe. And may I say, you are having a particularly good hair day today. (laughs) You look stunning. Did you lose weight? Or did you gain weight if you needed to? You look awesome. You look great. Either way. What are we talking about today, Julie Roxanne? Oh, we are talking about a topic that is very, very dear to my heart. It is... The topic of birth control Mm -hmm. and how I manage my reproductive health as a woman. How I got off chemical birth control four years ago and what method I'm using now as a form of birth control. Actually, what method we are using now. Yes, because that's part of it. It has also been a little bit of my education in uh, reproductive health, Mm -hmm. which is when you're in a committed relationship, a team thing. Mm-hmm. It's uh, both of us. Uh, so it's also our exploration as a couple around this topic. So there is a place for you in this conversation, men out there that are listening. In fact, I think it's a very important one. And even if you're not interested in the topic of birth control, you may want to stick around because this conversation touches on the much larger topic that is important to all of us around the power and understanding that comes from understanding our bodies. And how empowering that can be. So uh, we explore that quite a bit through birth control as well. So why don't we get into it? Let's get into it. I don't have anything new this morning. (laughs) Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, well, bonjour, Alistair, and bonjour, everyone. See, I'm lo- I'm losing the way to... How do I say bonjour? Should I say it with the English accent? You sound very no? American. I yeah. know, right? It's I've been here, what, a month? Almost. That's about right, yeah. yeah. Welcome, right. listeners, to another episode yeah. of the Far Out Podcast. Mm-hmm. And today... Well, first of all, maybe a little update. How are we doing? What are we doing? Stressed drinking? and tired. Yeah. That's, that's how I am right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I'm about two days. Uh, so when you hear this, I'll be back, actually. It'll all be over by then. But right now... <sighs> Doesn't that sound crazy to you right now? <laughs> yeah. We're recording this podcast in my brother's room in between, like, two twin beds because it gives us good sound. Uh, as, so as best imagine as that. Yeah, uh, sitting on the floor in my brother's bedroom, uh, childhood bedroom. And there's sleeping bags and trekking bags and water bottles and gear and mosquito repellent. And shit shovels. Shit sh- 15 shit shovels because <laughs> we're going to give them out to people. Another like 15 headlamps because that's for also giving those out. It's just, it's a mess. We're, I'm preparing for our Yosemite backpacking retreat. And we, I've been packing food all week. Mm-hmm. You've been great. You've been figuring out all the food we're going to take. We're going to have... People are not going to realize that this is not your normal 
backpacking camp food. Yeah. This is incredible the food you've pulled together we have like a thai dinner we have a like a mexican bean dinner yeah that one's good that we one's have really good. a sicilian dinner <laughs> we have thanksgiving in a bag we got great well as good as snacks as you can have you know you're uh, but i've been packaging all the snacks it's been taking mm-hmm. like two yeah. days you've two been, full you've days been doing a lot of work the dining room downstairs has been taken over by boxes of food it's insane the amount of food that needs to go in for six days in the wilderness for 15 people yeah and i you know what i underestimated about this whole thing this is like a military operation it's so much it is a big operation we are going into the wild for six days and we have to have everything everything covered for those six days and you know i've done this for myself and it's stressful enough and when you're going when you know you're going for like a long period and you have to plan but planning for me and 14 other people has been a lot harder than i thought yeah and uh, a bit more stressful than i thought yeah, too yeah he's he's been struggling and, for the last couple of days and it's just giving me insight into what it must be like for war planning ah oh my god when you think about you know i was listening to a podcast dan carlin's hardcore history not that long ago and they were talking about World War II, and particularly the Japanese side of World War II and what was happening in Japan and some of their problems. And he's talking about the supply chains that Japan had to run across the Pacific Ocean. Oh, my God. And, you know, I'm struggling to pack food for 15 people for six days in the wilderness (laughs) where everything is pretty predictable, you know, like compared to like a war planning. But can you imagine when you have to think about like tankers? It's just, it's a lot of details which can be extremely draining. And all the contingencies of war. It's such a left brain, logical, I mean, that's why, that's, I'm going to say something, that's probably why men rule the world. Is because of the war planning aspect, you know, like that. Well, that takes I would, a certain I would thinking. revert that and say that is it because men rule the world that we have wars? Yeah, but I'm just saying because we can do that, uh, you're screwed. <laughs> you're screwed. The women are screwed because we can do it, and so if we do do it, you're outmatched. This That's what I'm saying. This is so not PC, but you get our point. Yeah, yeah. But come on, I, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I'm okay with all the women out saying. there. I'm, I believe in you. I support you. Yeah. Yeah, it's but just, I'm just saying this might be why men rule the world is because well no those... but I think you got it the wrong way I think we have wars because men rule the world not like we ha- we I think it goes both ways yeah I think it's a reinforcing it's also because we have the war capability that we rule the world yeah but now force. it's a reinforcing system yes. which uh, oh, well that's, tragic it's tragic I don't know enough about this topic no it's to way out of our, our league we shouldn't just, be talking about it we might edit this out <laughs> <laughs> We should if we're smart. So today, today, what <laughs> and, and actually, are we this about? this 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 is a funny uh, segue into what we're talking about today. So, yeah, because today we're talking about birth control. Yes, yes, but not just any kind of birth control. What we use, and which is a natural, hormone-free birth control, and I just kind of, I I wanted to talk about this. What's it called? It's called the fertility awareness method. Yeah, and so. As a guy who doesn't know jack squat about this until actually, until I met you. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I know a, fair, a, a lot about it, probably more than most women, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I think you do. <laughs> For sure. Uh, it's, there, there's no, uh, you're, you're not using any, there's, there's no contraceptives. Yeah. And there's no birth control or chemicals. It's basically um, tracking, it's basically developing an awareness of your body yeah. and understanding what your body's doing. And if you know that and you know kind of some of the basic science behind what's happening, there are periods uh, in your cycle where you're naturally infertile. Of course, yeah. You're definitely infertile. And then there are periods where you're fertile. So it's being aware of that. And then anyway, we'll, you're, you're going to take us, take us through that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, so we'll go back to the fertility awareness method. But to start this episode, I kind of want to talk and touch on... My story with birth control as a young woman in the world and kind of, which I think is a common story. I started the pill when I was 15. I probably got my first period when I was around 12 and then it didn't make any sense. I mean, I got, I got on the pill because I was in a relationship and I wanted like extra protection against pregnancy. Didn't know a whole lot about it. Just knew that if I could avoid using a condom with my boyfriend, it would be better. 
got on the pill, didn't think about it too much. I've heard other good, like, I've heard women talk about other reasons. It's like it makes your legs softer or you grow, like, less hair on your what? legs. Are you I serious? I have no idea. I mean, this is coming from a guy who knows nothing I about know, I know that for... a lot of women, uh, a lot of teenagers go to the doctors because they have very uh, heavy cramps during their period. And the doctors just give them the pill because, yeah, that's going to alleviate your yeah. cramps because you're not going to get a period anymore. I think my first girlfriend had, like, an easier time shaving her legs or something her legs okay. were smoother when she was on a certain kind of pill oh, okay but i don't know i just want to kind of uh explain what i just said it's not that you're not on a period when you are on hormonal hormonal birth control you're still bleeding but it's not a period it's a withdrawal bleed it just means like your your body bleeds because you're t you're stopping the pill for a week so there's that, and then there's also the case of acne. A lot of women, a lot of young girls are given the pill because they have severe or not that severe acne. And, and what a motivating age. reason to take the pill, honestly. Yeah, when you're, when you're 14, man, I understand. I understand, if, if, especially even if it's not that severe. It's such a hard thing to live with when you're in high school that, I mean, I understand. So that was kind of my story. I actually have a picture of the day I took my first pill because I was like, it was like this, this rite of passage into womanhood, you know, I was... Which is, which is, was there the same rite of passage into womanhood about getting your first period? If, with my mom, yes. Okay. I don't think it's that common. And honestly, I wish it was because it is just amazing. Because the pill seems more like a rite of passage into masculinity yeah. than it does in a womanhood yeah it's like it, it, it was well yeah at the time i at the time i knew that this is what women quote unquote like like th this kind of the woman did you know it's like oh they're having sex and they're taking the pill so i have this picture of myself on my 15th birthday taking my first pill because i had been with my boyfriend for a month got a got a pregnancy scare it wasn't a pregnancy scare there was no way I was pregnant it's just my cycles were not regulated yet so I had a longer cycle than usual asked my mom if like there was a risk she was excited that I had sex for the first time she was like oh welcome to the club <laughs> this is not quite how it happened with me and my mom just gonna say that and that's as far as I've gone on that but so you I, French. Yeah, well, no, I don't you know if it's... promiscuous French. I don't, I don't know if it's the French or if it's just that my mom is a very evolved... Like, she's a gynecologist and she, you know, she has a lot of respect for those things. So, yeah. Got tip to Martine. Yeah, yeah, Martine, you're amazing. She raised a wonderful daughter. Oh. And, uh, and so, yeah, I took the pill. Didn't think about it too much. Just honestly felt like it was this, this important thing that, that women did when they became young women. So I just continued on. I cannot remember why, but I, I know I tried a few different pills over the years. Although I can't remember having like extremely problematic symptoms. It's just being my mom being a gynecologist at the first sign of like health issue that I was having without necessarily explaining it to me in a lot of depth, she would say, okay, we need probably to change. That might be caused by the pill you're taking. So let's, we should switch it up. So I switched up pills a lot. And then I think near the end of my pill taking years, probably like when I was 19 or 20, I switched to the ring, which is a brand. It's Nuva ring. I don't know if they, I don't, I think they exist in the US. Yes, I know for a fact they do. Yeah, which is like, it, it is a hormonal device, but it's just kind of this ring you insert in mm -hmm. your vagina and that will like get lodged at the end of your, uh, I don't know how to call it besides birth canal, but your your vagina, your vagina. So, um, and vagina, it- Vagina, vagina, vagina. Yeah, get used to it. Vulva, <laughs> vagina, uterus, cervix. All right, that's, <laughs> that's enough, that's enough. <laughs> Um, so that's, that's the ring. Um, and that actually, the hormones on that one felt lighter on my body, I remember. So I was, I was happy about it. It was not reimbursed by the French medical system. So I actually remember that when I was with my ex-partner, we were splitting the cost of it. Cause I was like, there's no way this is only my responsibility. That's very progressive. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I I think that my pharmacist told me about this. He mm. was a male, and he was telling me, yeah, that my my wife and I uh, we used to split the cost of birth control if it wasn't reimbursed by the medical system. She was like, oh, that's that's pretty interesting. And and my partner was really open to that. And now that I know more about fertility, I'm like, hell yeah, he was going to pay for half of it. <laughs> but anyways, um, so the story of how I started really thinking about it was I was about 23 and I started getting some light acne. Not, nothing major compared to what was to come, but it was unusual enough that I started wondering what was happening and I think I mentioned it to my mom and she said you know it might be the pill because you've been on it for about eight eight years without much of a break I might have had a a couple of breaks here and there but not that long and she's like if it might be just your body like being like done with it and so the way you can test if that's the case is you just stop taking you just stop the ring for a, week, a month and see if your acne goes away. So I did. I stopped any form of hormonal birth control for a month, uh, and well, for a cycle, and decided that I will observe the changes and then I will I would go back on it after and then figure something out. I was in a committed relationship at the point at that point, and I definitely didn't want to go back to using condoms and so all that. So I stopped and. My acne didn't really go away, but what I noticed is I had severe digestive problems, like going from being constipated for like five or six days, which never happens to me. Like this is not typical to like then like diarrhea. I mean, it was it was intense. And I remember at first thinking I might have I might be pregnant. I was like, oh, maybe maybe, you know, like digestive issues. I know that like the hormones of pregnancy can play into that. So I was like, maybe I'm pregnant. Plus, my cycle was like 47 days that first one. So I got really freaked out and no, my period arrived. But all this time I was thinking about, man, if I'm not pregnant, then that is a messed up way to feel when I'm off birth control. It got me to think that maybe my body was detoxifying from all the hormones and that maybe, you know, like all of a sudden I didn't have this hormone guiding my my internal body, all my organs were affected by it. Now I know that. And so if I had to, if I had all those digestive issues, then maybe it, the pill wasn't that great for me. This might be a good moment to explain how the pill works, because I think a lot of people don't know this. A lot of people still think they have a cycle with it. Just briefly, there's a part of your brain that provokes hormones that will then trigger your ovaries to, to create hormones that then will make your cycle the estrogen and the progesterone, which are the two most important ones. When you take the pill, you completely bypass that part of your brain and, and your ovaries get put to sleep and that, that your whole hormonal system gets put to sleep and you just ingest the same amount of estrogen and progesterone or just progesterone, depending on the pill you're taking, all all the time for three weeks, then you stop. And then for a week, you don't have any hormones, which is why you bleed. And then you start again. So <laughs> I don't think I, I, you know, as a guy, I've never spent a lot of time really thinking about what birth control does. But mm-hmm. I know that early on, somewhere in my 20s, I I conjured up the question to myself, all right, would I take birth control? If it was an option, you know, for men to take birth control. And I think, I'm not even sure. I think it probably could be, but it's not really ever is, right? I'm not even sure if there's an option, but that was the question. And when I thought about it, I was like, do I want to take chemicals to alter my body? It's like, hell no, Mm. no way. Yeah, That was kind of always my logic with girlfriends who wanted to try different things. It was like, well, I'm not willing to take the pill. So if they're not willing, I can't say anything. Yeah. Because... When you say it like that, it sounds a little crazy. It's like, whoa, we're going to alter everything and just put it like clockwork. But we don't really, I mean, that's like, it just seems like the pinnacle of hubris to just think, okay, well, we don't want this one thing to happen. Let's go in and just change the chemical makeup of your body to be (laughs) completely predictable and forget like whatever, however your body regulates it, because that's annoying it does this this one thing we don't want. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's it's pretty 
bad thinking. Yeah. When the pill arrived, I actually was reading about this this morning, that apparently the testing of the pill and the decisions around like commercializing the pill in the U.S. was the origin of the women's health movement. Because a lot of women were like, wait, 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 wait. You're going to put this out on the, on the market as this like magic thing that's going to help tons of women. But in fact, it, ha it's, it has like a ton of negative side effects. Are you serious? Eric? And from what I understand, there were a lot more negative side effects earlier on. Oh, with, with yeah, I think, I think like so. some pretty serious ones. Yeah, uh, it's, it's much more it's much safer these days, but that wasn't always the case. Well, it's much safer these days. I, I mean, uh, uh, five or six years ago in France, there was this maybe more than that now, maybe like a decade ago, there was uh, this huge outcry in, in the news because a lot of women were, um, I don't know how you call that, but basically were like blowing a fuse, like a, a, a blood vessel and then becoming paralyzed or dying. Like young, healthy women. This is always the problem when you take any kind of medication, right? It could be, it, it doesn't matter what it is. But I think Nassim Taleb, who wrote Anti-Fragile, which is one of my favorite books. It's an amazing book. He talks about it. He calls it iatrogenics, which is this idea like whenever you add something to the system, you're not getting side effects. We call them side effects. Those are just effects. <laughs> And your, your system is very complex. And so if you add something or if you add multiple things, all of a sudden you have layers of interaction and it gets more and more complicated and much harder to predict what's going to happen. And this is, I think, what happens when we, you know, this is the risk we take even if we take an aspirin. Yep. There are certain, and the more things we take, it's just riskier. If you don't have to take something, you shouldn't just because you're upping your level of risk. So there better be a very damn good reason, and, and sometimes there are, but... I think we're... I was raised by two doctors, and even though my mom is pretty uh, progressive and, and definitely on the more holistic front, she still has, like, 15 years of medical education, and my dad is, like, the doctor. So I was raised in that, and I think there's something that we don't realize and we don't really question. I know I didn't, which is... Any medical decision, any decision for that matter, involves risks. But I feel like I was, I had this warped perception that whatever is offered by the medical model and the medical system does not involve risks or, you know, or that they're kind of negligible. It's like in the, in the scale, it was like, get pregnant or get your homo hormones bypassed and, and your entire body will, will suffer. But I didn't know that second, that those risks that, was, that were coming. with My impression know. from the, the women I've been with is that, I don't know, but it didn't really seem like it was really talked about like that. Like mm. they, they, it wasn't explained or, yeah, it's kind of like, oh, well, you can do this and it's all positive, right? Mm -hmm, they, exactly. The negative doesn't, wasn't really elaborated on, partly because I'm not really sure we know the negative. But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist, right? Just because we can't see it as well as the positive, I think that's one of, that's one of those traps we fall into a mm. lot, especially with science. It's like we look for, okay, what are the positive effects? But it's hard to see the negative effects because they're oftentimes they're not as clear. It's not so cause and effect. It, it's more, it can be a bit more complex and they can be harder to identify, especially if you're not looking for them. And it seemed to me when I was growing up, not that I was paying a lot of attention to women's decision to take birth control, but from the, from the guy's side, it was also a no-brainer. It's just like a thing girls did yeah. at a certain age to start taking birth control. It was almost like a status thing. It's like, ooh, yeah. I'm taking birth control that's now. Exactly, like, I'm, that's exactly so, how it felt. And it did, it's, it's, it's tough to make a, come on, you're asking a teenager to make a critical decision about her body at that age, I mean, our brains are not even that developed. And we're more like, I remember at one point when I was like 13, which is about the same time that you're making this kind of decision, I wanted to get, I wanted to get my wrist slit and cut the one, the vein, or it's not a vein, but a I, gland. yeah, I wanted to cut the sweat glands in my wrist, which was a, which was a surgery. I mean, I wanted to go into surgery to cut the sweat glands in my hands. Why? Because my hands sweat when I was holding girls' hands and it was embarrassing. That's the kind of decision making I'm making at 13, yeah. you know? Thank God my parents were never going to let that yeah. happen. But I, it's just a, 
it's, you know, if you say, hey, this might help with your acne or, hey, this is going to help you not have pain. What girl's really going to think about, like, you know, the other side effects? And and especially because they're usually not even presented. At least that's what it seems like. That's the thing. That's the thing. And I, and I think that's what I observe with in my own family with the ways that we were treating medication in general is that we don't talk about the side effects. We talk about the fact that it's going to remove something that you don't like by taking something else. But they don't tell you what risks are brought in by taking that new thing. And I and honestly, this is something I think a lot about. And this is something that is definitely on my mind a lot. And I'm definitely questioning the medical paradigm in general and the system in general. Not that I don't think there's amazing things in it. Uh, I just, I'm questioning it. I'm taking my decisions as an empowered human being and I'm trying to do my research. But a lot of people are not like, I, I don't think I was willing to do that because in my view, the doctor knows, you know, and, and it's still that it's still that way. If you show up to the doctor's appointment, having done your research and asking pointed questions about the side effects that you might get from this procedure or that medication, you're the annoying patient. Yeah, it's tough because the doctor is in a patriarchal system by default. So you're going to get a pretty patriarchal answer. That is also the case, yeah. There's a another benefit, though, that I think comes along a little bit later that I've also noticed with birth control is it lets women operate like men. Uh, and I, I, I've seen this in, in some of my relationships is that I had a girlfriend. I was with her for quite a while, and I'm not sure she ever had a period at all mm-hmm. or any, you know, or any cramps or anything. It was just like she was almost like like it just didn't happen. Well, you mean she never bled? I mean, I mean from like from what you could tell. Yeah, she didn't bleed. She also didn't have pain. Like it was not a disruption, right? It was not a cycle. It was a straight line. Mm. That was my experience with her and I talked to her about it a little bit. Um but I, I was not super enlightened. So uh Are you now? <laughs> <laughs> no. As everyone listening will know cuz I'm I'm sure I've already said a bunch of stupid stuff about this topic. It's a dangerous topic for men to speak about. But she was very uh, business oriented Mm. and she's a very much a doer, doer, doer. And I would hypothesize that the pill really empowered her in that way because she could be very predictable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've seen it with you. Like sometimes when your cycle comes around, you're out for the count and it doesn't matter what we have planned. It's really hard for you to do. And in the business world, that is really inconvenient and problematic and that's going to keep you back as a woman in the business world unfortunately that's just the truth maybe it's not going to consciously happen no one's going to say oh you have your period yeah like you don't get that promotion but we all know that's not exactly how things work and and you just get passed over or you you know like these things happen quietly and and so i can see how it can be in a way very empowering for for women especially in a business world or in a world where they need to be have more linear, more, linear, like more have, predictable. Yeah. I can also see the argument where, you know, if it's between taking this and having a baby and you don't want to have a baby, this this could the trade-offs could be worth it. I think the the thing we're trying to highlight is the trade-offs are usually not really talked about. It's like usually said like all positive or or no negative. And, and or there's very little I'm speaking out of my depth here, but I think we're just saying um, the trade-offs should be considered for a decision that is so serious as altering the chemical balance of your body. Which brings me back to my story, which basically so that first cycle, I experienced a lot of withdrawal symptoms. This is what they were. They, they were like my body was like, oh, my God, there's no home. Where's the hormone? We don't know how to make it anymore. That's literally how it went. So I remember telling my partner at the time, just like, no, not taking it again. This this is messed up. The fact that I'm feeling like this on the first month of not taking it, I need to seriously detox my body from this. And it feels like it's funny because I went from having zero awareness of it or very little. I think I always had more awareness than most women because my mom was very into this kind of thing. To like overnight saying like, hell no, I don't want that in my body anymore. Like this is not happening. I'm not taking any hormones anymore. 
So, and he was like, okay, fine. Don't, don't take it again. It's, it's your body after all. And I could tell that was a little upsetting to him because I think birth control, you know, like all of a sudden it's this thing we can't control. And, but I, I felt very strongly about it. So that was in 2015 and I haven't taken hormonal birth control since. Uh, for a while, I entertained the idea of having a copper IUD put in because in France, they're much more common than what I can see they are in, in, in the U.S. I hear a lot about hormonal IUDs in the U.S., uh, but copper IUDs just don't have any hormones. It's just a mechanical birth control system, which basically it's inserted in your uterus. And then if there's a, if you, you still ovulate, you still have your cycle. But then if your egg gets fertilized by a sperm, it doesn't, it cannot take hold because there's already something taking space in the uterus. Mm -hmm. So that's how kind of how it works. Like basically it, it makes you, does it's not really abortive, but it makes the egg not being able to implant itself. And then it goes out with your period. I considered doing that, but there's two things I considered, which is one, it's possible that it will make your cramps worse. And uh, I was getting like my, my, my system was trying to balance itself and the, my hormones were all over the place. So my cramps were really bad already. And also I just didn't feel comfortable having a device inserted in this like very deep part of my body that feels kind of sacred. Like it, it, it's weird. I'm, I'm feeling like I, I've developed the idea over time on how I feel about this. But at the, at the time it was just like, no. Is there a risk of uh, becoming infertile from doing something like that? <sighs> There's always a risk. There's always a risk when you alter with, when you alter the health of of that in that important part of your ecosystem. I'm not a, I won't say I'm educated enough, but I know that my mom. One of the things that she said was, "I'm not super pumped on the idea to that you would have a copper IUD because I've heard of I." She had a patient uh, that that was that had never had kids before and had an IUD put in and a copper IUD put in. And then she developed an infection in one of her ovarian tubes. They're called fallopian tubes, but ovarian tubes works better for me. And so they, it, I think she got, she was infertile after it. She had to have surgery and mm. all. So there's always a risk. And I think that's the thing that most of us don't understand is that there is always a risk when you temper with the natural ways of your body. And that does not mean that at the time I wanted to get pregnant, like the fact that I want a healthy uh, menstrual health, like reproductive health, is not because I want to have a kid necessarily. It's just, I know now that it's, it's a really big part of my ecosystem as a female body. And it's way more important to me. So I stopped the pill. I stopped all hormones. And then what happened? Uh, it was, it took me about two years to get to a point where I felt like my hormones were balancing out. That's a long time. That's a really long time to have your hormones messed up. I know, actually. So one of the things that I find interesting about kind of studying up on this and, and learning more about it, as I have, especially recently, is it's not the same in any way, but uh, I have Hashimoto's um, which is an autoimmune disease. And the problem with Hashimoto's is that you're not producing enough hormones. So I at least know to some degree what it's like when your hormones are out of whack. Mm -hmm. And it's taken me years to get them back in the in the right place too. And it's funny because you actually went off a pill to uh, to get your, your you back. I went on a pill yeah. to get me back. Mm -hmm. And I know what it's like when I'm on the wrong amount of that pill or if I'm not on it at all. It's it's not me. Yeah. Um, and and so I have a lot of empathy for for that that struggle. Yeah, those were really. I mean, it's really hard. That has such a big impact on all of you, all of your health when your hormones are out of whack. And I realized. I mean, I was feeling really down that I had spent the last eight years putting this to sleep without questioning it. And now my body was waking up from like this, this deep sleep screaming, like, what is this? What is happening? I had, so I had poly, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which means like, basically it's an array of things that come from having little cysts on your ovaries. I had incredibly painful and terrible looking acne for a year and a half. 
and I'm still struggling with with it, but I'm doing much better, much much better. I mean, it, it was at the point where when I when I changed position on the in the bed at night and I like turned my head on the pillow, that would wake me up from the pain of like my my cheek touching the pillow. Mm. It was like those deep deep. It's not even pimple. It's like cystic acne. It's like cysts under your skin. It was awful. And then the self-esteem that goes with this. I mean, I was, I remember I I was taking a course in hypnotherapy at that point, and and I had to do a session with a person as a, tr- a part of the training, and I was the hypnosis during the session. I lost it because the person was looking at me and like I was asking them all sorts of questions to uh, determine what they wanted to work on during the session. And because they were looking at me at some point, I started feeling super self-conscious, like noticing all of like my my acne, just feeling it on my face. And I burst into tears and I couldn't go any further. It was terrible to live with this. And even though my mom is a super holistic minded person and stuff, she was like, every time she saw me, she was like, Dudu, you need to get on antibiotics. So I was like, I'm not going to take something else to cover up for this. Like I stopped wearing makeup because I was like, this is not helping. I stopped so many things right after I stopped the pill. I, that's when I went vegan. It was, it all happened at the same time. And I think this, those things are all linked. This is not a coincidence that it all happened at the same time. felt like, all of a sudden, I was coming home into my body and it was a mess, like a real big mess. And I had to sort it out. And I'm I, really I, can imagine a, I can imagine a different Julie Roxanne going back on the pill, just just not dealing with that. Yeah, you know, like how tempting sure. was that? Did you struggle with that decision at all? Or I felt very empowered because I was reading on internet on the internet a lot of women testifying and like sharing their stories of going off the pill, going through the same struggle um, with acne, with hormonal imbalance, with everything like their health not being great. But then saying that after two to three years, things kind of finally settled down. And for me, no, I mean... I think parts of me wanted a quick fix because it would have been easier, but the bigger part of me knew that a quick fix would just mean that I was delaying the problem again. And I needed to deal with this because I wanted to be healthy. I wanted to feel at home in my body and, and I just didn't want to like take another thing to cover up for for this. Yeah, you were reclaiming your body. Yeah, which which was a very long process. But and it's 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 still I mean it's still unfolding. But I I feel like I'm at a point now where I know and I I, I feel empowered in in my body and in my health. And so when I started thinking about how I could still uh, prevent pregnancies from happening, and reading about a lot of like natural uh, birth control methods, all these girls that I followed on on YouTube that were all vegan, all like healthy, all that, or at least trying to achieve that, were talking about one book, which was Taking Charge of Your Fertility by Tony Welsher. And I was like, ah, okay, cool. I can hear the principles they're talking about. And I kind of know about it. So I don't really need to read the book. So for a couple of months or so, I didn't really read the book. And then a few months after I met you, I finally read the book realized that my quote unquote tracking my cycle before I read the book was a little like, it was missing a lot of information that I didn't know about. But I was already like kind of trying to know, okay, when did I have my last period? When do I think I'll have my next? But the reality is for the the first two years after quitting the pill, there was no way to predict predict anything. I'm actually unsure I ovulated regularly. I think it took me about two years to get back to cycles where I was ovulating constantly every cycle. When I finally read this book, my mind was blown. It, it's you read parts of it for in preparation for this. But first off, my mind is blown when you started explaining your cycle to me because that was pretty amazing. I remember that it was it was back in India. You were showing, you were charting at that time, and you were showing me your charts and explaining how it worked. And I was like, "Oh my god, this is the first time any of my girlfriends has spent this much time explaining this to me." I, to in their defense, 
I'm not sure I cared at that point. Yeah, you know, I, yeah but, that's true. But at, the, at this moment, like you were explaining it and I was fascinated and you seem to know a lot about your body. And I thought that was really attractive. Mm, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. That was at the time where I wasn't charting it a hundred percent but that was a time where i still was able to explain to you a lot of the ways the cycle works and i think yeah you were really excited about that which was like oh he's a good person this is why i'm really excited about it now too and i i've read the book as well and i think this is a really good step for anyone who's going to do this process is that both it's a team effort mm-hmm. right and you've been making it mostly on your own you've explained it to me some and but it's about time that i really understood it myself because both people need to do it or at least understand it. And I think a couple of things is one, and I know this is, women are probably going to roll their eyes, but it's amazing to see how the female body works. Mm. And it's not, I mean, I don't think I've been taught it by anyone since, I think we had a junior high class, which was basically like penis and vagina equals baby. Yeah, and yeah. then after that, it was like, you know, I think you, <laughs> my, my sex ed stopped. You know, yeah. the rest was on my own yeah. and I uh, didn't do a great job. So, it was oh. fascinating to learn about how it works and first off, just realize a miracle that it is. Yeah. And, and then it starts to feel a little outrageous that we're suppressing this miracle. Um, and I know I'm late to the party on that one. No, you're not. You're right on time. <laughs> you're, you're on your schedule. It's right on time. But I, it's also, uh, there's a bigger theme here for me why this is super powerful, is understanding your body, which is the same thing I've been doing for the last 10 years. I don't have a cycle like that, but I have other things going on between like the autoimmune, my diet. I've been trying to understand my body in every possible way I can because there is so much information in that. And when you know the cycles, the patterns, it does not always mean you can predict. It does not always mean you can control. It does not always mean you can explain. But it does mean that you can get a better perspective and you can often make better decisions. Mm. And... You know, especially when I've been bogged down in in Hashimoto's and my hormones are off, you know, like, especially before it didn't, I didn't, I I knew what was happening. It is all encompassing. It is like you are in a bubble and you can't see outside of it and you don't know what the barrier is, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it's not like you can't, it's, it's mental, it's physical. It just, it is you. And it's so easy to think exactly that it's me yeah. and not and and in a way it is but and not realize not see outside of that and that it's a pattern or it's something that happens every so often or when i eat this or it's uh something that's a dysfunction that i need to work on mm-hmm. you know none of that you you can't know any of that if you don't have any awareness about your body and when you understand how your body works there's so much power in that there's so much power in the fact that you can go to a doctor and tell them when you're going to ovulate yeah. and things like that. There's so much power, you know, reading this book. She talks about, and I, I didn't know any of this, but like the problems women have with first off thinking they're dirty because of having different fluids uh, and, and or thinking that they have infections yeah. when really it's just a natural part of the cycle. And I can imagine, man, over time, like the shame and like the embarrassment and all the things that that happen because of that i mean man it's just and and that's a self-image thing but like the confidence the the power and just the understanding that that you can derive from doing something that takes a couple minutes a day is phenomenal and after i read this it's just like how is this not taught to everybody Mm. whether you're going to use it for birth control or not it's also used to get pregnant but it doesn't matter like basically it's just understanding your body yeah and i think if you're a man with a woman, there's so much power in it too, because you know the the, the stereotypical thing with, with men is like, oh, pff. I had one friend who uh, would call it. He he would say she's on her pyramid. Like she wouldn't even say he wouldn't even say the word. Oh my god! You know, Man, and oh, that's crazy. And we just all laughed and thought it was funny. You know that he he did this, but but as a guy, you just think, oh, it's it, it makes no sense. It's erratic. It's irrational. All these things, right? She or she she gets emotional and like makes makes no sense. It's not predictable. It just seems to happen out of the blue every so often, you know. But like, yeah, it's not totally understandable, right? Like, there are parts of it that are pretty like unpredictable, but there is a pattern to it. And as we as I started paying attention to your cycles with you, I've started to understand 
what's going on mm. a lot better. It's not so irrational. I mean, at least it's not so impossible to understand. It's and actually once, way more predictable than you think. Yeah, it's it, it's true. It's true. It, you're right. And I think, I mean, this just, for, for a man, this changes the perspective quite a bit. And you have to think, if I don't understand, like, how am I behaving because of that? not understanding, you know, not maybe in not in a conscious way. Yeah. But that's gotta be coming off in, in some of the ways I behave. It's just it's just ignorance. Mm-hmm. Right. And and there's something else too and that I think has been valuable about this is understanding myself the risks of you getting pregnant on this method or on any method. Because when when you were doing it before, I was a little uneasy when you're like, okay, I'm not taking a pill and we can do this kind of natural planning method. I was like, hmm, I, that sounds... Yeah, that's kind of the eye roll I get every time I say that I'm going to do that. Like, I, I always... Every time I say, and I feel kind of powerful about like, yeah, I'm using this method, and it's great. It's working great for me. And it has the same failure rate as the lowest failure rate of all the contraceptive, which is a condom, which actually, is 2%. Yeah, and actually, uh, the, the highest risk is using a condom in your fertile phase. So it's actually using a barrier method when you're in your fertile phase that creates the most risk on this plan. If you were not to use a barrier method in your fertile phase and just abstain during yeah. that period, it's actually probably, based on the studies, safer mm-hmm. than any other birth control method other than perhaps there, there's a couple like invasive methods or the pill if it worked perfectly but it, it doesn't. doesn't there's always like there's two there's two errors right there's the method rate error which is like the theoretical if it's used perfectly and then there's the user yeah user rate error and the user rate error is like usually somewhere between five to ten percent mm-hmm. or higher than than the the method rate but the last thing i'll say about this on that part of it is that there's a mistrust or a just an apprehension about you knowing about this and me not knowing about it, right? And that's yeah. got to come off in my behavior too. It's just this general not understanding again yeah. about things. And and having read this and starting to talk like talk to you with it, we looked at your charts last night and we yeah. looked at like the last two months and you, and we were pointing out like what happened and where. And it's empowering for the man too. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes things a lot better for couples it's it's just we can understand more together and then we can work together plan for things i mean it's just things get easier i think i think this is a great point and i think i was going to do a little overview of the method not not in depth but just so people understand what we're talking about because i think it can be very confusing like charts and tracking and all those words are being thrown around if you're interested the place to go is the book oh for sure like reading the book they have a great website we'll link all of those resources in the show notes at the com, as always but i think one thing that's funny is and one thing that i realized when reading this book is women are only fertile about two days a month men on the other hand are fertile all year round 365 days a year and oh is that the case <laughs> i had blacked that oh. out no hmm. but and this is not to like diss anyone in this. I'm just like pointing out the the interesting things that happened. I believe they were they tried the pill for men first, and then when the men had all the negative side effects in the testing rounds, they were like, "No, let's have women take it." And then women had to take it because they're the one dealing with the pregnancies. So obviously, they're the ones wanting to protect themselves. But I think what's interesting is that, yeah, you're fertile every every day on your own. I'm fertile two days a week, but to be really two fertile, days a month. Two, two days, days a month. month, but to be really fertile, we have to be together and to have actual intercourse. And so it's like fertile, you can't be fertile in a vacuum. If I'm not having sex, then I mean, I'm not in danger of getting pregnant. It's like, yeah, there's, there's an egg that could be fertilized, but if there's no way for me to have a partner or, or sexual intercourse at that time, then it's moot. You know, it's like, it's like, does a tree make a sound when it falls in the forest and no one's here to hear it? You know, it's like, does an egg, is an egg really fertile if no one's there to fertilize it? 
I'm not, I'm, I'm just kind of raising the philosophical question for myself because I never thought about it. Of mm. course, there is like a fertility aspect, but I'm saying this in regards to the men and the women working together because fertility is something that happens as a couple. Like the only reason why we have to understand this is because you have something that can fertilize what I have. Otherwise, yeah. there's no reason to be that like strict And, and this about is different than, than my, my attitude in the past you know, to be fair, it was never, I was never really approached for much of it anyway, which was just that like the woman handles it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Don't ask questions. The woman handles it. You just check. Are you good? Thumbs up. All right. Great. Yeah. Yeah. But then, and you said that yesterday, it brings a lot of paranoia because yeah, yeah. on your end, because then you don't understand, you, you don't understand. You're trying to control what you don't understand when in fact, understanding it has been revolutionary for both of us. It's been amazing. So I'll back up a second. The method is based on the assumption and the very real scientific fact that you can observe different signs in your body that tell you whether or not you're fertile. The cycle of the woman is divided in two phases. There's ovulation, let's say in the middle to simplify, but it's not always in the middle of, the, of your cycle. And basically there's signs you can read throughout your cycles that are telling you whether or not you're fertile. And it's actually really, really predictable. It's not like this kind of mystical thing where I was saying earlier, when I say to people that this is the method that I use with actually a lot of pride when I say that, because I'm really proud that this is the way I'm taking care of my body in this realm. I get a lot of like, well, we better get ready for a baby soon. And, you know, like <laughs> I, it's it, it really annoys me a lot because it's like, man, so disempowering. God, it's so... But I understand. I understand, too, that it's an opaque thing. And there's like this fog screen and most people can't see beyond it, which is why this book is so amazing. And I, I recommend think, I think anyone. This all stems from both sides not being educated. Yes. And, and just kind of certain uh, patterns of behavior and thinking that I think a lot of it is inherited. Yeah. And, and we just don't question it. So really, it's it's questioning that. And then if you do, educating yourself an active yes. process yes and i mean i remember saying to someone we were in england when i read this book and the we hung out with the neighbors which are really awesome and i was saying that i was reading a book called taking charge of your fertility which was blowing my mind and the woman who is like 40 something said like oh you got time until you have to worry about this because it sounds like it's a book to tell you how to have a baby basically like, no, actually, I don't. You know, it's like this is I'm fertile. I'm in my reproductive years now. And that doesn't mean that I want to achieve pregnancy with this. I just want to understand and have awareness of my body. Also, so, I think it's always better to let your body regulate when it can. Right. Like, yeah. don't artificially regulate your body if it doesn't need to be. Yeah, that's just, I think, the safest way to go. Yeah. And, and we don't know what we're missing when we do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think I had no idea of how I was feeling when I was on the pill until I got off it. And now when I think back to those years, I was depressed, anxious. And the best way I can describe things was that just my life was in black and white. It wasn't that I was like this. It was moping around all the time and really, really depressed. I was just numb. I was just like not there. I, I really cannot say it any differently. And I So think did your life go into full color when you went off the pill? Was it like what, not was all, it not not full color all all of a sudden, but about two years after I stopped the pill, mm -hmm. when I re when I started looking back on the journey, mm -hmm. I realized that all of a sudden I had like when I stopped the pill I turned off a, a button, a dimmer, and then all of a sudden like and the colors started progressively getting back. But it really felt this way. Uh, it really felt like I got all my colors back the two thing years after. The, the thing that's insidious about that, and I know from experience from the same black and white thing happening with around hormones, is that it happens gradually. Oh, yeah. It's the whole problem of like the frog being in the pot and not realize he's being boiled to death. Yeah. It happens the same way. It's gradual, 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 gradual. And so you can't just compare it back to a time when you were off it. You compare it back to the day before, and yeah. the day before was was the same. I yeah. mean, if it changed, it's almost unnoticeable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so 
you're, you, you play a trick on yourself because you're comparing it back to when you can remember, but you really can't remember how you felt a year ago. Can any, can you, can anyone? It's very hard yeah. outside of like, maybe you can think of a peak experience yeah, yeah, yeah. or a low, but we can't really remember how we felt years ago. And that's the problem is this happens over days, every day, it cha- or maybe over weeks or over months. So our memory does not help us here. Mm. And so we can end up five years later in a place that if you just drop the person in, they would get the hell out. It yeah, would be so different. It, w- it would just be like night and day. Yeah. And sometimes I think this is what creates a lot of the passion and like some of the the uh, enthusiasm that people like when you're talking about getting off the pill or when I talk about discovering my Hashimoto's and changing my diet is because on the other side of it, when you get out of the pot, yeah. it is like night and day. And so you can come back and then you have this moment where you just realize how far you drifted, how far gone you were. And it's like you've been given a second life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was talking to a young woman recently and she was telling me that I was sharing my experience and and she was telling me that she was on birth control uh, hormonal because... And she had stopped for like three, four months and she didn't see, she didn't notice that big a difference. And I started thinking about how I felt three to four months after I stopped to pill. There was not that big a difference. I was, I was like struggling. It was still like in, in my in mind's eye, it was still black and white. So obviously there was not a big difference. It takes so long for your body to kind of start doing its thing again that, yeah, there wasn't that big a difference. <laughs> I'll go back to the signs that we're charting because we keep like, it's nice. I like the flow of this conversation. Uh, But basically the three signs that are available for women to chart on on a daily basis is basal body temperature, which is basically taking your temperature as soon as you wake up in the morning and recording it on the chart. I will also link the downloadable charts that are on the website of taking charge of your fertility. They're amazing and they're like so helpful. Basal body temperature, cervical fluid, what our society sadly calls discharge, as if it's just garbage being dumped from your uterus through your cervix and then into your panties. It's terrible because it's like basically the cervical fluid that women produce changes with the uh, increasing estrogen before you get to ovulation. And it's what makes the vagina and that part of the body a hospitable environment for sperm to survive in. It provides them nutrients. Yeah. It provides them a way up. A conduct, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's and the very basic way to explain this is it's the same sort of fluid than the fluid in which the sperm comes out. The, the liquid, seminal fluid. The seminal fluid, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's the same sort of fluid, which is kind of rich and thick and dense and full of nutrients for the sperms to go all the way up to the egg so it's i actually find it amazing and i think like everyone calling it discharge should should be like oh sorry my discharge is uh promoting life what are you doing uh, like on a daily basis and uh (laughs) and the last thing that you can check which is kind of optional because those two signs already provide more than enough information the last thing is checking your the position of your cervix so Those are the three signs and then you chart them and then you note all different things. The first few months are a bit confusing because you've never done it and it it looks like nothing really. But then after a while... And you're advised not to use this as a birth control method until you're getting reliable charts and you understand all the rules. There's like five or so rules that we won't go into around this, but... But I'm at the point where I'm watching your charts and I can see what's happening. It's very interesting because basically... You, have, you start your cycle with your period. Then uh, a little bit later on, before ovulation, you start getting more and more fluid. Mm-hmm. And this predicts ovulation. Mm-hmm. And then another thing that happens, is it at ovulation or is it right after? It's is the day after the ovulation. Day, the day after ovulation, uh, so your fluid will decline. And your base temperature will take a, a what's called like a, a thermal jump shift a thermal shift and uh your temperature will shift noticeably and this shows you that you've ovulated Mm -hmm. so you know exactly when you've ovulated you know exactly where you are in your cycle yeah and there is a period of time at the beginning of your cycle where you are not fertile where like where 
basically sperm, you can only be impregnated two days in a two-day window. So you can only actually be in the egg lives for 12 to 24 hours so in a vacuum a woman would only be fertile then exactly but there's also the possibility that you could have two eggs so it could be a little bit longer than than a day there's that on the rare option there's also the fact that sperm can can survive up to five days days. in healthy cervical fluids so you want to account for that which basically means that there's roughly 30 percent of my cycle which is considered unsafe for me to have uh, unprotected sex. We tend to use condom if we want, but we also tend to just abstain. And that's how we approach it. And it's working really well. I will say that, as, as she says, do not use this as a birth control method if you're not committed to doing the the work that needs to be done to start. Now it's like automatic. For me, it's like integrated completely, but it demands a little bit of work. It demands a few seconds a day and it demands to be a little serious about it because if if this method is going to fail, it's going to have, it's going to fail. And then it's going to fail. There's not a safety net. There's, yeah. there's no safety net, <laughs> exactly. So, and you have, you have to, to be, You have to be disciplined about doing it. In also, it does not protect from STDs and stuff like yeah, that. So you want to be in a committed relationship if you're going to do it as well. Yeah. I think one thing that's worth stopping and talking about for another minute is this whole abstaining thing. Because I think there's just, just this basic assumption. It's like, and this is probably a, a men's perspective, but it's like we want to have access to the women's body all the time. And, mm. it, and it goes both ways. Like women want to be able to, I, I, my experience is women want to be able to have sex at any point in time too. Mm. But we want to have the body always be on, even though that's not, if, if you want to abstain from having a baby or if you want to prevent a baby, that's not how it works. And so I do think there is like, I'm fine with the abstinence part of it now. And I think it's actually nice because to, to have a period where you, you don't and then you can come back to it and it's all the better for it. But I think it's just learning to be flexible and also kind of respect the natural cycles instead of trying to force mm. your way because of certain desires we have or because it's more convenient. Mm. Yes, this takes a little bit more work. You have to be aware. But I think this is like where there's like a gap. You know, there's a there's a difference in, in the general attitude towards Mm. this stuff and perhaps what would be a healthier attitude i think yeah i i i so agree and like what you're sharing i would also make the case because i think i was not aware of this until a couple of years ago as well having sex doesn't have to be penis in vagina intercourse sex like there's so many ways to have sexual like space to share sexual space with someone that doesn't involve putting a penis inside a vagina there's so many other ways and and that when i say abstain i just mean abstain from what they call piv sex (laughs) you know like just there's so many other ways to achieve pleasure and to like have a time with your lover that is that is quality time and that brings you both joy and the hormonal release of orgasms on both sides there's so many ways and i think this is something i only learned like very recently, I always assumed that sex meant that, exactly that. So I wouldn't even want to use the word abstain because it feels like, oh, all of a sudden I have to wear this like abstinence belt and there's a lock on it and you have no access. It's just, yeah, it's a, it's a different approach, but it can be really fulfilling if you are willing to play around with it. And and, 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 and I think this is all with the intention of getting something for that, right? Like that's a... I am reluctant to call it a compromise, but if I guess if you're coming from the pill in a way, it looks like a compromise, right? You can't mm. you can't do what you want when you want all the time and not think about it, right? That yeah. th- that changes. Turns out it's not that bad. It's really not. But with this method, you're gaining understanding first off and awareness, health, and confidence for women. I think doing something like this can totally change your self esteem. Sure. In a lot of different ways. And yeah, yeah, like all the power that comes with knowledge. Knowledge is power. And I think that's very true in this case. There, I mean, when you look at the trade-offs, I think 
there are very big positives to this. And I think sometimes, you know, when we're looking at making changes, we see what we're going to lose and we multiply that by 10 and we can't very, very well see what we're going to gain. So we discount that. Mm -hmm. And I think the trade-offs are, are, it's a really, it, it can be a very good deal. I mean, everyone has to decide for themselves. There's a lot of factors at play here, but I think it's worth saying again that you're not just losing something, you're gaining a lot. And in this case, I mean, these are some of the things that, that make a healthy and fulfilling life that mm. you're, you're getting back. We've seen that with you. I think it's been a very powerful thing. It has. And I think I hear a lot about body literacy these days, especially with everything that's happening with uh, like the reproductive health and the abortion status in the US, which seem, which is a big issue at the moment. And a lot of women, and I, I want to be part of them, is advocating women get to know your own body because this is the most powerful tool we have at our disposal for ourselves, just for like the joy and pleasure of like understanding and being connected to your own like hormonal symphony. It's, it's amazing. And it's, it saddens me that, that we live in a culture that tends to discard that or, or, or think it's inconvenient because it disrupts the linear progress of you know your work or your I used to work in an environment where it was all male and if there was one just one little sign of me that I was on my period <laughs> I would not hear the end of it and it's it's shown as a sign of weakness It is when actually now after um 4 years my god I've been off the pill for 4 years I didn't realize this after four years being with my own hormones, producing my own things, I feel so free and so powerful in my knowledge, in in my cyclical wisdom. Because I think like I think that one of the reasons we're where we are with you know the state of the earth and this the way we treat other human beings and the war and all the things we were talking about in the beginning of this episode. Those are happening because there's an imbalance in the energies. And this is me reclaiming my energy. And this is me like showing to the world that there is power and wisdom in the cyclicality of things, in this in being cyclical. And I just want to continue to honor that. And I want to encourage everyone out there to tap into what that means for them. Even men have cycles. It's just, they're different and we don't know a whole lot about them, but we all have like cycles. We're part of nature and nature is cyclical. Well, that's our show. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you very much. It's amazing you made it to the end of another episode. <laughs> and if you've listened to most of our episodes... Props to you, listener. Yeah, we love you. We do. We really please, do. Please uh, stick around for the rest. It's going to be epic. So, and you know the drill by now. Mm-hmm. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Yes. Share it with friends. Mm-hmm. And review. We haven't gotten a review in a while. So we're starting we're to feel of, a little lonely. We're starting to feel a little antsy. Is there anyone know? out there? Hello. 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 <laughs> So if you haven't reviewed the podcast yet, please do. We will share your review on a future episode, mm -hmm. and we will thank you profusely for it. Yes, and send you lots of energetical love. What she said. <laughs> Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.